Welcome to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec. If you're struggling to stay ahead of your daily life challenges, you will want to listen close as Eva and her guests will help you address the most important priorities first. Now, here's your host, Eva Medelec. Welcome to the premiere episode of What's Important Now, making time for what matters most. I'm your host, Eva Medelec, and this show is about making time for what's important to you and getting clear on what matters most. How you spend your time, effort, and energy is a direct reflection of your values and priorities. And when it comes to how we spend our time, we don't always choose wisely. You know, one of my favorite quotes is from the author of the Badass Book series, Jen Sincero. And she says, time comes to those who make it, not to those who try and find it. So it's time for us to protect our precious time and get clear on what's important now. And so my guest for my premiere episode is Josh Zeppis. Now, Josh is going to share with us what happened when he discovered he wasn't as happy, as wealthy, or as free as he wanted to be. So let's lean in and listen closely as Josh shares how he discovered what matters most to him. Hey, Josh, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hey, Eva, glad to be here. Honored to be here. Excited to share and spend some time with everybody. You are my first. Ooh la la. I do feel feel very special. You are. You are. (laughs) So tell our listeners um, about you, like who is Josh Zeppis? Not necessarily what he does, but who is this man of mystery? Wow, uh, that's a big question. That is a yeah. huge question. Uh, I'm 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 just a person who wakes up every day, puts two feet on the ground, and knows exactly why he put two feet on the ground. I I am the I am someone who's got clarity. I know my mission. I know where I'm going. And man, I am just excited about it. Uh, and and I bring that up just because we talk about the importance of time. Mm. Uh, one of the things someone, I heard this somewhere and I don't remember where I heard it, but it, it really hit me. Most of us tiptoe through life, hoping to make it safely to death. Mm. And that's just one of those, when I saw that quote, I was like, it hit me like, that is not gonna be me. Heck to the no, right? So, uh, I'm that person that I found, you can call it purpose, you can call it mission. There's all kinds of words for it, Mm -hmm. but I'm just very clear. After so many years of not being clear, I'm finally clear on exactly why I'm here and the impact I'm going to have and nothing and nobody is going to stop me. Wow. I hear that. There's a huge empowerment that comes with that level of clarity you know i've experienced it myself and so i so appreciate you sharing that and most of us are struggling due to a lack of clarity and consistency and it's showing up in every area of our lives so what is the main problem that you saw for people in your line of work well you know you hit that i call it the c word you hit right on it (laughs) so there's 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 two main really core issues, I would say. One is the lack of clarity. 
Uh, we don't know why we exist. We don't know what we stand for. We don't know what we stand against. We don't know, uh, you know, I always ask people, I said, why did you get out of bed this morning? And nine times out of 10, the answer is to make money, right? I got to do this. There's stuff I have to do, the kids, all this stuff. That's, that's okay. But what is that thing just above making money? I, I just hope there's something more than just making money that drives you, that drives people. And, and finding out what that is, because getting clarity around that, if we, first of all, if we're not clear on why, why we exist, why our business exists, why are we in this specific business versus another one, then no one else could be clear. Mm-hmm. And when other people are confused, confused people don't take action. They, they mm-hmm. don't buy our products. They don't do business with us. They don't even want to be around us because they just don't know what we're there for. We're just like taking up oxygen. So getting clarity around why we exist is one of the most important things that we can do. Uh, so I find people where they're just confused. They're like, you know, mm-hmm. I know I got something good, Josh, but I just don't know what it is. Uh, and then the other thing is people are afraid to take a stand, completely afraid, like, oh my goodness, what are people gonna think about me? Uh, which any entrepreneurs out there, let me tell you something. You should only hope that people ever think about you again if you're in business. <laughs> because the number one reason for going out of business is obscurity. The number two reason is being forgotten. So mm-hmm. we we got to take a stand. We, there's, I hope there's something out there that people stand for and stand mm-hmm. against. Some evil that shouldn't belong, you got to call it out. Something beautiful that need, we need more of, you got to stand for that. Uh, and I'm telling you, it adds so much richness, richness and so mm-hmm. much clarity. And that's where the energy comes from. That's where we get excited about life again. That's what drives us and all that crap that distracts us. Because I know that's a big thing when it comes to time. All these distractions fall away. Because you don't that's get time so for distractions. That's right. True. It's like, ain't nobody got time for that. You know, no. I'm on a mission. I've got a purpose. You know, um, when you were talking about clarity, what came to mind was um, a study that I had read that studies show when you are not clear on what's important to you and what your priorities are, you are actually up to 30 times more likely to miss out on success. You know, and how we spend our time, our money and our energy is a direct reflection of our values and our priorities. And so we got to be clear on what we want, be clear on what we don't want, be clear on what makes us happy, be clear on what makes us unhappy and be willing. I always say um, it's my CPR, right? Clarity priorities and responsibility we have to own the responsibility of creating and setting boundaries that support what's important to us and what our priorities are and another thing you said that really landed was you know the things that hold us back from taking a stand for what we want and it's that fear fear of making a mistake fear of what others might think what if we get it wrong? Uh, some of us who are entrepreneurs actually have a fear of being seen starting small. Yeah. You know, the ego gets in the right way. I know you, you've seen that. So, you know, we titled this episode, or I titled it based on something that I saw on your website, that professionalism is a poison or is poison. Oh, boy. Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit more about that phrase, where it came from and what you mean by that. 
Yes, absolutely. And by the way, I appreciate the CPR. I love that. And yeah. I fully agree with that. I've got something called the three C's, oh, okay. uh, which actually does speak to clarity also. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, professionalism is, professionalism is a poison. So look, I have, I spent 20 years in corporate America, shy, negative, skeptical, introverted engineer. So I understand professionalism very well because I had to do it. Uh, but it never felt right. It always felt like I was faking it, right? Like I was putting on a facade or I had to say the right thing at the right time. And, and I went to business school and they told me, Josh, business and emotions don't mix. Keep your business life here, your personal life here. And you know, that just keep them separate. But I was like, wait a minute, I'm one person. So who am I lying to? Am I going to lie to my family or am I going to lie to my clients? And it never sat well with me, this idea that we have to have a professional persona or a professional personality. What if we could be human? What if we could just be human everywhere? We could just be ourselves. And when I did more research into it, what I found was that being human is not only easier and because you get to tell the truth, but it's actually more profitable. Hmm. It's more profitable to not be professional. I wanna make sure everyone hears this. This is really important. There's a, there's a principle that everybody knows, but they don't teach you in school and they don't emphasize it in school. And that's that people buy you first, your product and service second. And if they don't buy you, if they don't like you, they're not gonna touch your product or service no matter how great it is, no matter how much they need it. It's, it's so crazy. You wanna know human psychology? This is crazy. You could be selling the cure for cancer in a pill. Mm-hmm. like pain-free cure for cancer in a pill you could be offering that to somebody and if they think you're a jerk <laughs> and maybe they got stage four cancer they'd rather die mm-hmm. than do business with you they would rather die than do business with you just because they don't like you if you can get if people can get this concept into their into their heart and into their soul and into their minds you'll see that professionalism is the only thing holding us back that we think we need to be something or someone else to do business. That's it in a nutshell. Goes deeper if you want. But yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I want to go deeper into this because you know I often speak into how our feelings and our emotions are sabotaging our success, and and you speak to it as um, professionalism. So I think we might have be saying the same thing, but from two different vantage points. Yeah, and so. Um, what I'm hearing you say when you talk about professionalism is something that's inauthentic to the real you. It's kind of, um, you're shooting on yourself, right? <laughs> you yes. should act like this. You should say it this way. You should look like this. You should, should, should. Mm-hmm. And other people are shooting on you and telling you what you should do. And then you're under a pile of shoulds that doesn't feel real to you. Right, you're full of shoulds. Yeah, you're full of shoulds. <laughs> exactly, because you've done should it all over yourself. And that's that persona of professionalism. You know, that's um, part of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The other part's what you mentioned before, which is ego, yeah. where we have this thing where we have to, we have an ego to protect or we feel like. Fake it till we make it. Yeah. You know what? I don't believe in fake it till you make I it. I believe yeah. in fake it or make it. Mm, your choice yeah yeah there's there's something connecting because there's that no like and trust factor like perfect i think perfectionism is a poison and trying to be something you're not 
yep. is a poison. Um, you know, done is better than perfect. You know, you'll get better as you practice more, but there's something hugely connecting about being your authentic self. And so when I talk about emotions, I talk about being led by feelings and emotion that aren't aligned to the best of who you want to be that are, are not forwarding your priorities and your right. values, but that are more of kind of a knee jerk reaction, I would say, based on some emotional triggers that maybe had something to do when somebody said something to you in second grade and da 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 da, da. Yeah. <laughs> and, all, you know, and all of that. That's kind of the primary work I do with my clients. And so, you know, I hear what you're saying. And, but when it comes to our feelings and emotions, we've got to really be clear on discerning, is this feeling or emotion have my best interest in mind? I mean, we just had that example of the uh, Academy Awards, right? You know, most of us were like, that is so out off brand for Will Smith. Mm -hmm. He was clearly triggered and reacted to that trigger. And, who, you know, is that really the real him? And maybe the other part was fake. I mean, we can, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but we can go into a lot of that. So I've I'll play one on TV, though. I, yeah. I on TV. <laughs> I'm actually reading his book to really learn about that. And so much of it yeah. makes sense into to why that happened for him that way. But, um, you know, professionalism in your definition just say it for us again so that they're really clear yeah. about what you mean by that. It's actually those three things we talked about. It is perfectionism. It's mm. very close to perfectionism, which is why I don't like it mm -hmm. uh, because we're humans and you can either be human or perfect, but you can't be both. Mm -hmm. uh, it's ego. So it's that ego that we've, we've built up. And then it's all the shoulds. It's all the stuff that we were supposed to do. And the problem is, and I agree with you on emotions, 100%. Because mm -hmm. one of the challenges is when we're not authentic, when we're lying, let's just put a, let's just say what, yeah, we, what yeah. we really mean. Well, when we lie to people, <laughs> mm -hmm. we feel shame, we feel guilt, we feel embarrassment, we feel, we feel all these kinds of bad, I don't want to call them bad emotions, but we feel all these emotions that don't serve us mm. to be human. They don't serve us to make a good connection with people and they don't serve us therefore in our business, life, career, whatever we're working on. So we kind of open the door to all these emotions that don't serve us when we're lying, when we're being inauthentic. Mm -hmm. So I think Absolutely. you're 100% right. It's, it's yeah. all, we're all kind of in the same place there. So who are you for? And what I mean by for is what kind of person would benefit from having Josh Zeppis in their life, in their world, as their coach, as their mentor, as their influencer? I am for people, that's a great question, by the way. I am mm -hmm. for people that know they've got something special. They know they've got a gift, but they don't know how to bring it out. They don't know how to articulate it. And they're in a crowded industry. They're in the sea of sameness, I call it, mm. where they just, they, they don't know how to stand out. They don't know how to bring that uniqueness to the front of their message, to the front of their business. Mm -hmm. And they need help doing that. Uh, just, they need someone from the outside. They need a coach, a consultant, someone to bring that out, ask the right questions, dig up that treasure that's deep inside yeah. of them, yeah. bring that to the surface, knock off this crap conditioning like we we're just talking about, mm -hmm. about, oh, honey, there's no money in that and all the BS we're told growing mm -hmm. up. And who can help them polish it and refine it until it shines so bright on its own. People come from thousands of miles to come see it. 
That's who I'm for. That mm-hmm. good person who wants to be human again in business. And so we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes, but tell me real quick, who shouldn't bother knocking on your door? <laughs> Anyone who wants to do business as a transaction, the slick salesperson, mm-hmm. the person's like this human humanity stuff, Josh, you want to bring humanity back to business? Screw that. I just want to crank out as many sales as I can. I want to sell iced Eskimos. I want to sell timeshares to, to families that can't afford it. So they go starving uh, for the next 30 years. That's mm-hmm. what I want to do. Cause you really, it's all about me. The commission that person, yeah. mm-hmm. best of luck, high five, go do what you got to do, but we're not working together. Got Sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I love these insights that we're getting into the realness that we're talking about in this conversation. So in about a minute, we're, we're going to take a two minute break, guys. And when we come back, Josh, I want to dive into your humorous side. I think our listeners have got a little sneak (laughs) peek of it as well. But I really want to dive into um, how you use humor as a part of your authentic um, way of being and, and some other ways that you use humor. So we're going to be back in two minutes. Everyone come back and let's learn how to bring humor into the humanity as well. See you in two minutes. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. Welcome back, everyone. So we have been in this great discussion with my special guest, Josh Zeppis. So just a reminder, if you have any questions or any comments or any insights that you'd like to share with either me or Josh, we'd love to hear from you and answer any questions that you might have. So at any time, you can call in to 866 472-5795. So Josh, I have, I have this question for you that 
I tend to ask all of my guests when I'm interviewing in any way. What makes you an expert at this this bringing out um, people's uniqueness in the sea of sameness? Wonderful question. I would two <laughs> things. <laughs> two things. Yes. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> look. I believe everyone has the right answer. We're just not asking the right questions. Right questions. So I, I appreciate anyone who can ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, uh, there's two reasons, really. One is I lived a shy my entire life. You know, some people say they lived a lie. I lived a shy. Mm-hmm. I was the one that was told, you know, keep your head down, Josh. Don't make any waves. Obey. Like, if I'd never hear that word again, I'd be happy. But obey, right? We follow the rules. And I did that my, my entire life. So I know what it's like to not stand out, to intentionally hide and hide away my genius, my expertise, all that stuff. So I feel people that are in that position. So I I can empathize with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, you know, one day what I did do is I said, okay, and and this is by the way, I left corporate America. I got into financial industry, the gym ministry, competitive bodybuilding, all kinds of stuff. And one day I was like, time out. What's your genius? What's the one thing that you do better than everyone else you know, Josh? What is your expertise? You know, all those 10,000 hours you built up over blood, sweat, and tears, all these skills. And then where do you want to play? Where do you really want to impact another person? What kind of service? How do you want to service the rest of the world? And I took all this and I crunched it together. And that's what crystallized to what I do today. Um, Because I realized I am really good at asking the right questions. I am really good at engaging and, and digging deep into a person and finding that uniqueness mm. and bring it to the surface. And I love words. I'm a wordsmith, just natural. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what I had to do is I had to realize and accept and no longer be ashamed of what I was good at because here's the challenge and here's the other person I'm for just to kind of piggyback on the last segment. Mm-hmm. I'm for introverts mm. uh, because the last thing go. introverts want to do is they don't want to brag about themselves. We're the ones we're going to shy away from talking about ourselves, about our, even if we're really good at something, we're never going to admit it. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out how to unlock that, which I did. Um, and and it's, it's a beautiful thing when, when someone realizes when an introvert can really stand for something openly and shine, they can go from shy to shine. That's yeah. the transition, shy to shine. Um, and I figured out how to do I'm that. But I'm curious, what was the mobilizing event, the the wake up call, the two by oh, four okay. to the head, the punch to the gut, whatever you want to call it. You yeah. know, I, I experienced a punch to to the gut. You know, that kind of got me, you know, out of my ego and into real authenticity. What was it for you? I mean, how does someone get to you know? Do, having your hands in all of these different areas that you were contributing somehow to knowing, you know what, wait, but wait, there's more. (laughs) What is it? (laughs) Yeah. The, um, the first, well, the first wake up call was the, when I was in corporate America and, uh, 19 years in, Mm -hmm. and I was like, someone challenged me on my retirement plan. It was that simple. They said, just do the math in your retirement plan, which I did. And I found out I wasn't going to retire that everything I believe, like my retirement plan was my, my religion. It was like, mm. oh, I'm max funding it. I'm doing everything right. And then just like that, I realized, had I not gotten that wake up call, had my friend not said, hey, let's do the math on it. I would have gone another 30 years just expecting it to work. And then I would have found out later that it wasn't gonna work. 
So that made me mad. But the part that pissed me off that really got me out of corporate America was when I realized I wasn't supposed to know this. I, I, I wasn't supposed to do the math. I was supposed to just believe it like everyone else does. Like a sheeple. Sheeple, just follow. Everyone's got one, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's got this retirement plan. Everyone's doing it. So don't question it. I wasn't supposed to question it. And that scares the crap out of me every day. It's what drives me to make sure that other people or at least have the awareness level uh, because I'm so grateful that I I saw it. Mm. Otherwise, we would not be having this conversation. I would not have sat down that day and said, crystallize my genius and really figured out what I wanted to do uh, with the rest of my life. None of this would have happened. I would have been sitting in the cubicle pretending it was all going to work out, nope, being none the wiser. Wishing and hoping and thinking yeah. and praying. Yeah. Well, you know, you run faster scared than comfortable. That's and right. so it takes, it, you know, I, I had a similar thing where I was, I was scared. I was frightened. If I did not change, if I wanted my situation to change, I had to change it, but I didn't change. Nothing was going right. to change. So it, it really lights a fire under your booty quickly to, um, to make that happen because, you know, I've had people ask me, um, you know, how did I have the courage, you know, to, to get over my fear of, you know, all the things, making mistakes, what other people are going to think I got to start small. I got to start all over again. And I don't know what I'm doing, how I'm going to figure it out. All of the, all of those, what ifs. Yeah. And I was more afraid of not doing anything. That's right. That was the my main fear. Like if I don't do anything to get out of being an employee and working until I, you know, can't stand anymore and still having very little to show for it, that frightened me more than anything. And I'd rather just go down giving it my all. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting you say that because the one thing I told myself when I left corporate was if I win in life or if I lose in life, I just want it to be my fault. Yes. That's yes. all I ask, right? It's owning if, the responsibility. If, if I want to be in the driver's seat. If I crash the car, I'll accept responsibility. Mm -hmm. I'll sleep well in the cardboard box underneath the bridge here. Yeah, That's fine. Go. I can mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. But it's got to be up to me. I can't leave it in the hands of someone else where I work as hard as possible and then I'm still screwed anyways. Just yeah, but they the got rich seat. and they got rich. <laughs> yeah. Most people, it's funny. I, when I use this analogy, I say most people are in the trunk. Someone's mm -hmm. driving the car. They don't even know who's driving. They're, they're not the even in the trunk. back seat. They're in the no, trunk. No, oh they're my not even God. in the back seat because they can't they see They can't anything. see where they're going. Ah. <laughs> they have no ah. idea where they're going. They're in the trunk. What a, oh. so, what a crazy oh. place to be in life. To that's be in, a frightening in the trunk of your own picture. car. Yeah, that's a frightening uh, visual for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about the humorous side of Josh. <laughs> oh my, you, you want a mom and dad joke? What do you want? Like uh, there's... <laughs> no, you know, when I, when I, I first um, was made aware of you through through a mutual acquaintance. Um, I stumbled on one of your um, Facebook Live videos. And what attracted me to, um, you know, I love sarcasm and I, I love brainy humor. And I actually dated a comedian for a few years, a very famous comedian in New York City. I don't know if I shared this with you, but we, no, we can talk about that is, later. This is fascinating. All right. It's a secret. <laughs> you know, people have to reach out to me directly to find out who. But my point is that um, I appreciate humor. And, you know, in the world that we live today, a lot of comedians use humor to bring bring um, light and attention on some very uh, uncomfortable truths that are happening in our world today. And what I uh, 
what drew me to what you were saying, you were talking about um, um, racial inequities, racism, all of that, and you brought humor into it in a, in a sarcastic way. And so tell me, tell us, all of us, a little bit more about, um, you know, being this shy, introverted kid to, and, and most comedians, by the way, do start out that way and, and they find that connection through humor. So what was that journey like for you? It was actually fairly easy because, you know, it's funny, I tell people I'm ESL, which is English as a second language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the in, inevitably they ask me the question, well, what is your first language? To which I reply sarcasm. Now, I'm not even kidding about that. It really, my first language was sarcasm. So to me, it's like just my natural language, mm -hmm. just coming back home. It's how I communicate uh, because I, I think humor, humor is an emotional language. Right, it's an emotional way to connect with somebody, which really gets to their heart. But it's also a um, kind of a positive language in a way, right? It, it's 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 a likable language. So it's a way to say what you want to say and not have it be so you know brutally honest. Let's say, right? Mm. To, to, it takes to where the brutality it, out of it. If I'm hearing you, it correctly. takes the brutality out of it. Uh -huh. But also, to me, the beauty of humor is you got to be vulnerable. You got to be willing to not only talk about yourself if you're doing self-deprecating humor, but you also have to be vulnerable enough to the topic you're speaking. Because if you offend someone or someone doesn't like it, you've got to be comfortable enough in yourself to take the criticism, mm -hmm. to take the response, take to take the, you know, people talk about rights and response. They talk about my rights, my rights, but it's also, you know, your responsibility. If you say something, you know, they talk about free speech, Free speech isn't free. Sorry, philosophically, uh, you know, practically, <laughs> free speech is not free. Mm -hmm. There's there's consequence, right? You got to be willing to accept the consequence of what you say. And for me, humor is a way to express that, um, and to you know, kind of get that emotion into the words, get that emotion into the into the topic, mm -hmm. uh, in, in a good way. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I love the, the little analogy you said it's, it takes the, brut the brutality out of the honesty. Yeah. You know, the honesty is still there, but it feels less brutal, or at least we're made to think <laughs> that it's less brutal when you can um, address it in um, with some comedy, with some humor, have a little right. fun in it. But it does shine a mirror on us. And so, you know, when I when I first heard you and then and, and then we had an opportunity to have a little conversation after I reached out, um, who do you target most in your humor? Every, you know, it, it's like a machine gun. Everyone gets a little piece. <laughs> every, every, I'm spraying everybody. everybody needs, like, you know, <laughs> you're an equal opportunity humorist. <laughs> I am. I, I, but you know, I like to, so when I tell people to tell the truth, because that's one of the biggest things I like to share. I like tell the truth. Like, what do you really want to say to the world? Caveat being from a place of love and good intention, mm. right? Never from a place of shame, hate, judgment, uh, you know, insult, but like from a place of love and good intention. So I like challenging people uh, from that place of love, but I use humor as a way to help kind of, you know, grease the skids a little bit. So, mm -hmm. the, so the message mm -hmm. gets through to their heart and doesn't stop mm -hmm. at the wall. Uh, so it's the people I love challenging, which could be other political ideologies, 
Uh, mm-hmm. People like we've talked about, you know, the, the, the white patriarchy, the privilege that exists in, in this country where someone needs to challenge them a little bit. They've been 400 years of being unchallenged, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. So it's time to step up and maybe give them a little challenge, give them a little poke, right? Yeah. Uh, because sometimes it, that might generate awareness. They might be yeah. like, why is, this, why is this guy poking me so much? Is there any, maybe there's truth to this. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, there's something here. What type of resistance do you do you tend to get to your unique approach? Oh, name it. Um, vitriol, denial. I mean, does anybody um, come on stage and slap you in, in national TV? Or? No, no, no. I, no, no physical violence. <laughs> no, yet, thank yeah. you. Uh, but now, you know, it's, uh, I, again, I think intention matters because intention is the fruit of character. Mm-hmm. So if you, if, and in fact, I just did a post on this like a day or ago or a day or two ago about, uh, about character and intention. So in other words, I think the post, the whole concept of the post was, is a good deed, if, if something good happens, but you had bad intentions, is it still a good deed? Mm. To which I argue, no, I think intention matters. And I think mm-hmm. if you, if you're in, if you do, ha- if you have good intentions, but you screw up, you say something wrong or you tell a bad joke, you'll be forgiven because mm-hmm. you weren't intending to be a jerk. You weren't intending to be racist or, or to, you know, yeah. hit someone like with a, uh, with an unfair judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the opposite is true too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have bad intentions, if something accidentally goes well, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to get a whole lot of credit for it. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is um, when I first started being more vocal about uh, cultural inclusivity and cultural intelligence. Um, it came out of me noticing, like right after George Floyd's murder, um, a lot of well-intentioned white people saying things on social media and being shamed, blamed, and guilted for saying the wrong things. You know, whether it be all lives matter, or I don't see color, or all of these things that they didn't recognize as microaggressions and not knowing the effect that they had on on um, minoritized uh, communities. And part of it is because, you know, people like me were slow to speak up, if at all, when we um, did hear microaggressions. You know, it kind of was that that weariness of, you know, why bother? What's the point? They're not going to get it. And so, um, you know, when we come back from break, from this break, I kind of want to go a little deeper into it because I really saw the intention of folks, their heart, and it was a choice for me. Either I could complain about them doing, saying and doing the wrong thing, or I could help them knowing that they have an, an intention to get it right, not exactly. to be right, even though they're, they're not actually getting it right. So, you know, it's really important, I think, to really look at people's humanity and not expect people to be perfect and Correct. to get it right. But if their intent is 
more to get it right than to be right. And that was the difference. A lot of conversation, people were fighting to be right. They were just fighting to be right. And they weren't fighting to get it right. Help me. I want to know. I didn't know this. I never learned this. I never taught this. I have years of, of history in my blood that is just the opposite of the years of history in your blood. So how okay. can we come together and get it right? And um when we do come back from break, we're going to go to break in a couple of minutes. I want to dive into more of your humor around that particular subject, because, you know, it is risky. It is vulnerable. You know, I know when I was growing up, you know, I heard from my dad who grew up in Jim Crow South, you don't want to make a white person uncomfortable. <laughs> like, yeah. don't do it. Let it go. Because there was real real danger in making white people uncomfortable and so yep. well and, yeah. and and speaking of just in general you know we're not born racist and i will also contend we don't want to be racist yeah we don't yeah right yeah. i think people as you go deep enough mm -hmm. we, we have a core of love that's it there's really nothing else there except love if anything mm -hmm. gets coded over that or if uh it comes out differently it's something that happened that hurt us Yes. That, yeah. Something right? happened and, to and us. And, yeah. and and we built up these um, these ways of being, if you will, as protection mechanisms. So, OK, guys, we're going to go to a break now. This is getting so good. You definitely want to come back. We're going to dive in into how um, Josh speaks to the problem of diversity and inclusion among the privileged and um, how you help privileged white guys see their racism through <laughs> humor and then also, uh, he has a special guest for you as well. So we'll be back right after this two-minute break. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. 
Here again is Eva Medelec. Welcome back, everyone. Um, this is really turning into a juicy conversation. I hope you're enjoying it as well. And so in, in this final piece of our show today, I really want to talk about something that's important for me. You know, I have a personal stake in these conversations around diversity and inclusion um, more than just kind of perfunctory or performative check the box conversations. So, you know, as we have been discussing, Josh, I've actually heard you address these subjects um, of diverse inequities that we're having. And so tell us a little bit more about what you're doing as an ally in this work. Yes. Um, so what I really, so something happened. Um, or it was, I think it was even around the George Floyd uh, murder where I started, I, I, I was reading um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, letter from a Birmingham jail in mm. 1963. And he said something and it just finally hit me the right way where he talked about the, 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 the white moderate. He says, you know, the biggest stumbling block for, for uh, marginalized communities is, is not the KKK. It's not these openly racist people. It's the, it's the moderate that just looks the other way that would rather have peace with what he called a negative peace than positive justice. Mm. And when I read that, finally it hit me like, holy crap, I'm the damn white moderate. I'm the silent complicit majority. And I was like, I can't be that anymore. I can't do it. It's wrong. It's just wrong on every freaking level. And I was right at that point, I decided, you know what? I need to have a different conversation with white people than other people can have. Because it's one thing if you're if you're a, a, a person of color and you're telling white people who have been in the, you know, the, the majority for 400 years, essentially, on this continent that, hey, stop suppressing us, stop, stop doing the crap that you're doing, you know, the, the systemic racism and all this stuff that's going on. That's one conversation and that needs to happen. But I can have a different conversation with this person, one where it's like, hey, we need we see i could say we because you know on a race on the race side we're the mm -hmm. same we need to stop this it's just not right like dude come on you know it's like me as a man same thing with women where i can i can have a conversation with a man and say dude stop freaking treating these women like like crap mm -hmm. stop the misogyny we don't need to do this so mm -hmm. when i realized i had that power not to and I, I want to be very careful here, not to be the savior, not mm -hmm. to be the one that goes in like, I'm going to help all the, you know, fix all the black people's problems kind of thing. No, 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 Just to be another voice in the conversation, but have a different conversation uh, because it's easy. And I did this. It's easy when, a, uh, when a, 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 let's say a black person, a person of color comes and says, hey, look what's going on in my community. Look what your, look what your systems are doing to us. I can dismiss that. I could say, ah, you're just biased, right? You're just saying that because you're trying to get stuff from me or whatever. But when another white person comes and says that, I don't have the same, uh, mm -hmm. I'm not coming from the same place. They can't say that, they can't dismiss me like they can dismiss a person of color. Uh, so that's when I decided to like, you know what? We need to organize a little bit to help uh, people like me, uh, white folks, let's say, to realize the privilege, at least see it. Mm -hmm. And then give an opportunity to have these conversations. Uh, and that's, that's what, that's the approach I wanted to take. No more silent, complicit majority. <clears throat> that's basically what 
um, I'm about, because uh, that's I think that's where I can best help yeah. uh, bring and this I, to light. And I appreciate uh, hearing you say that. I um, was at uh, a DEI summit for the Navy back in February. I went out to Arlington, Virginia, and I got to give a presentation on active allyship. And I was just one of many speakers, but one of the speakers who was um, a white-bodied woman really said that this conversation has to start with white men and she was just very out there about it they've got to start the conversation be the catalyst be the drive before people of color can come in and say okay now this is what microaggressions look like and this is how you can create safe inclusive spaces and so on and so forth it's got to come from the white privileged males desire to be better and do better so that we can all have better. So I really appreciate hearing you say that. I was telling one of my friends that she kept saying, where's all the white men? Where's all the white men? And I called her <laughs> after I met, I was like, I found one. <laughs> there, we're out there, we're, there's not enough of us yet, but yeah. we're out there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it is changing though. It is definitely changing. So look, I, you know, it's funny when people say, well, what's your background? Kind of how did you grow up? I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just openly say it that I grew up white nationalist. Mm. Now, now I'm not talking the the hood wearing, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 I'm talking, I went to the public school system where mm-hmm. I learned white history. Mm-hmm. I watched cops that taught me that all black people were criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I was in a, I was in a white nationalist society because that's what we have. Well, so there's we, a lot of black people that can say they grew up in that too as yes. white nationalists, you know, hey, only black in the school, Catholic school from kindergarten to, to high school. So, you know, we yeah. learned the same history that you did, you know, but we lived a different history than you did, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm going back now learning actual American history, going yeah. back to, I'm like, how come I never learned this? It's, it's really fascinating. You know, in my Facebook group, The Intimacy of Race, I share something about real history um, daily. I get that, get that information from the Equal Justice Initiative. So, wow, this has been um, really, really um, juicy conversation, something that I hope um, all of us get to, to really take in and see how we as individual humans can authentically be better and do better so we can all have better. So um, I do have another question for you. Sure. How do you make time for what matters most to you? Well, I, th- I think you said it in your question. I make time for what matters most to me. Mm-hmm. I make time. First of all, time is a, is a made up concept in the beginning, right? We're talking life. Mm-hmm. It's really what's important to you and how do you want to spend, invest your life? Uh, I just make it happen. Like, uh, I mean, there's, I guess there's some techniques or some ways to look at it. Um, but I think we all do actually make time for what's important in general. We, we don't know it. Um, but I think also when we're not clear on where we're going, we tend to find time for distractions. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of a litmus test. Mm-hmm. Like where you, where is your time in your life going? And if mm-hmm. it's going, if it's ser- serving you to move forward to your legacy, to your eulogy, to your mission, then you're actually finding, you're making time for what's important. But if you find yourself being distracted, if you find yourself, uh, 
even things like getting angry, things like being offended. I haven't been offended in 17 years, which when I say that people get all weirded out for some reason, but and then, they, been. then they try to offend you. <laughs> like they could try, but it doesn't work. There's, there's no button there. Like it's, it's gone. Oh, well, well, that's a beautiful, special place to be for sure. Yeah. You know, the reason the reason why I asked you that specifically, because, you know, what I noticed happening, um, especially around the time of, you know, we're in this COVID lockdown, George Floyd's murder happens, and then we're all home to witness the murder over and over again and the aftermath of protests and riots. And, you know, it was just that that pimple just got popped and exploded all over the place. And, um, you know, for me, it was the emotion that came up around witnessing that, that sparked me into action. You know, I really felt all of the work that my ancestors, all everything my ancestors had to endure. And I felt I wasn't doing enough, but I didn't know what to do. Kind of like, you know, how you help your clients. Like, what do I do? How am I going to make a difference? I'm not trained in this work. Just because I'm Black doesn't mean I automatically know how to train you on how to be an anti-racist. Like, I have no clue because I need to train myself how to be an anti-racist. I have my own um stuff to deal with let's let's put it that way on on both sides and um so there was that mobilizing event but what happens to me as a black woman happens a lot quicker to uh white bodied people is that when the dust settles and we go back to our regular lives how do we continue to work towards this this quest this mission this subject that is still important to us but the urgency doesn't seem quite as urgent anymore because i always say well until another black man gets murdered but that happens pretty much daily but in the news on a weekly basis if we're being honest i mean it just happened recently with that uh the one that got shot in the back of the head yeah yeah the unarmed man um unarmed man on the yeah, ground on the ground the get the shot in the back of the head yeah and that didn't get the same level of protest like how do we you know with this being something that matters to us how do we continue to make the time to show it the same level of importance? Like, how do you do it? Let me put it that way, because I'll I'll share what I do, because a lot of times I just feel like giving up. I'm exhausted. Nobody's listening. Who cares? They've moved on with their lives. It's not an urgent thing for them because they're not directly affected. But how does someone who doesn't have the level of urgency that someone in a black body has stay motivated? That is a fantastic question. You know, I, I think it's something that uh, that that we're. I, I always say we're we're our empathy is on e. Um, mm-hmm. I always every time I, I I think once the so same thing with you like around the George Floyd time something just switched and it it got turned on and. I can't turn it off now. I call it seeing the matrix. Like when you see the code in the matrix, you can't unsee it. You can't pretend that it tastes like chicken anymore when you know it's not chicken. So that's kind of what happened. And for me, when I started seeing the code in the matrix, that's when I left corporate, that's, I can't unsee it, I can't forget it. 
it, it, it got in, it, it almost got imprinted in my heart mm. and there's nothing that's going to stop me from moving this conversation forward. It just, it's innate. It, it's just, it's mm. a part of me now because it's the right thing. You know, there, there's a point in life where it's not about money anymore. It's not about what's easy. It's about what's right. Mm. Because otherwise, what's the point? If you're, again, if we're tiptoeing through life, I want to make it safely to death. What's the point? It's not about being comfortable. It's not about just getting by. It's not about just putting food on the table. There's got to be something bigger. Got to be and something bigger. This is one of those bigger things for me. Having these okay. conversations with other white dudes that think, oh, I'm not privileged. I just, you know, I work hard for what I have. Well, yeah, I work hard did. for what I do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course you did. But, <laughs> you know, there's people that have to work third, three times harder for the same thing. And you're at a different starting line. That's all. So got it. Got it. it. Well, I want I want to leave some time here for for you to share the free gifts that you have for our listeners, because I think we have about a minute or two left. So talk to us about um, what you're offering special to people who are listening to the show. Absolutely. And I don't offer this. You won't find this on my website, like public. I do it for only special audiences. Uh, but this is a 30 minute, yeah, especially for Eva's audience. This is a special 30 minute master session with me, a master a mastery session. Uh, where we will work on your unique, compelling, persuasive answer to the most uh, the most important business question you're ever going to get asked, which is, wow. what do you do? Awesome. How and do so you answer that in a great way, right? So I love that. Yeah, people need that. So you can get that at www.joshzeppis.com slash W-D-Y-D. Or what do you do? Uh, exactly. What do you do? So um, thank you guys for joining us. Um, thank you to Josh for being my premier episode guest. My you pleasure. Know, I'm you know time has um a wonderful way of showing us what really matters right you know and so even though this show is ending this conversation does not have to end so let's keep it going you can follow me on facebook instagram linkedin and make sure you join us next week at the same time where my special guest will be linda gratton author of redesigning work and linda will be showing us how hybrid work can work for everyone so i am your host eva medelec and remember real gratitude for life shows up on how we manage our time so until next time bye for now thanks for listening to what's important now making time for what matters most with eva medelec We hope we've been able to inspire you with today's show to take control of your own life and focus on the win. What's important now? Until we talk again, have a beautiful week. 